everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 136. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer, and we're coming to you here. It's uh, Saturday, October 8th. Uh, but of course, the beauty of a podcast, you can listen to us anytime, uh, perhaps some point throughout your long weekend, need a little company, need my voice in your ear, you can put on your AirPods, earbuds, and boom, there I am, right there, never sounding better. You can, of course, find the podcast wherever you find your favorite Outsports podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google, you know the drill. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. I'm actually going to do something that... I feel like I rarely do on the show, (laughs) but I'm going to uh, follow up on a tease. Yes, last week uh, when I interviewed Mackenzie Dunford, a non-binary football player who's doing their part to make the gridiron more inclusive, uh, wrote a corresponding story about Mackenzie that's up and out sports right now as well. That's what we cause real, that's what we call real productivity, huh? Get the interview, get the article, the real out sports car wash treatment did it to McKenzie, and they certainly deserve all the accolades coming their way. Um, but I said on the show last week that this week I would be speaking with Ayal Feldman, who is the founder and CEO of Boy Butter Lube, the lube company that advertises on ESPN, NFL Network, and, as I found out in my conversation with Ayal, has a new deal to advertise on Fox Sports. That's right, Fox Sports will soon uh, be airing Boy Butter Lube ads. They have a new ad coming in 2023. So coming up in a few minutes, you'll hear my conversation with I.L. Feldman about how to start a lube company, why one would want to start a lube company, um, and what's it like running a lube company. And we do also, yes, expand the conversation to talk about male beauty, sports, and everything in between. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. A wide-ranging conversation with I.L. Feldman uh, who competed in the gay games, by the way, and is still an active athlete today. And sports play a big role in his life, too. So, I.L. Feldman coming up in a few moments. But before I get into that, I do have to give a brief review of Bros. I saw it in theaters this week, and I'm glad I did, because judging by its performance at the box office, I don't think it's going to be around for much longer. First of all, Billy Eichner blaming its terrible box office showing. It made $4.8 million in its first weekend. Blaming it on straights not coming out is just so lame. I mean, there have been tons of gay movies that have made a lot of money and been very successful. The Birdcage, which came out 26 years ago, made $185 million in theaters. Brokeback Mountain made $178 million. Uh, and Bros in its first weekend makes for a point seven million. So gay movies have not just worked, they've been monster hits before. Love, Simon uh, came out a couple years ago and did pretty well. Uh, obviously not anywhere close to those numbers, but better than Bros has done, and that was a gay romantic comedy about gay high school students. Um, so, you know, that argument kind of falls flat, and there's also rom-coms in 2022, do not do well in theaters, period. I mean, when was the last rom-com that was a huge hit? Those things go directly to streaming now, if they're even made at all. And the movie itself was marketed for gay people. I mean, the, the pitch of the movie was it would accurately depict gay dating life and gay romance. And as a gay man who dates, I am very interested in that, but I can understand why somebody who is not a gay person who dates 
maybe wouldn't have found the marketing campaign all that relatable in this movie. I mean, it was marketed as a gay movie by gay people for gay people, finally something of our own. And that's fine. A niche audience is great. But then don't complain that it's not a monster hit and blame it on the straights not showing up. Believe me, I'd like to bring blame the straights for a lot of society's ills, uh, <laughs> but I can't, I can't quite blame them for this. Uh, bros not doing well. In fact, bombing at the box office. But anyway, so that aside, I did see it uh, this past week, and I have a little review up on Outsports as well, looking at the lame way they handled sports, all the athletes in the movie, and there are only a couple gay athletes with real passing you know, uh, characters. A gay football player accepts an award and laments how tough it is being a hot white guy. Uh, then there's a former high school hockey jock, married with kids, of course. Coincidentally, he's friends with Aaron, the bro who Bobby, Billy Eckner's character, is chasing. Um, but he comes out and really has no personality besides his body. They see dudes playing pickup football in Central Park, Adonis-like bodies, but then they're getting into fistfights while Billy Eichner's character, Bobby, uh, calls them idiot meatheads. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, sports were handled in a very shallow and lame way. And, you know, I think the movie in general, I mean, it was all right. I mean, I laughed at a few moments. I think that some of the texting dialogue was very funny. Uh, the club scenes, I think, accurately depicted about what it's like to be in that kind of situation, you know, a circuit party with a bunch of shirtless guys. Uh, um, you know, I, I think the fact that they had a four-way grinder, I mean, that's that's all well and good. And it, and it was good to see that presented on, you know, on screen. But, you know, I also felt like they were going maybe a little too hard in that direction. Like, you know, grinder. I'm kind of sick of grinder jokes, to be honest with you. I mean, we get it, right? Gays, we're crazy. We have an app. You can find sex within minutes if you want to. And you can go spend five minutes with the guy and never talk to him again. Ooh, how crazy, right? I mean, we've been telling grinder jokes for a long time. Straight people know what grinder is by now. Like, I don't know. There's... There's there's more to it, and if your life begins and ends with the grinder grid, and if grinder plays a central role in your existence, and you're not gonna have a very happy life, as Bobby Billy Eichner's character did, and that was I think my biggest problem with the movie. I just found him to be immensely unlikable. He was an he's an annoying, uh, over the top caricature. Uh, you know he and the grand irony in him is he's an award winning podcaster who hosts a podcast about gay history. And he's curating the first ever LGBTQ history museum in New York City. And yet, he has such a dismal view of gay people. Because as I mentioned, his gay life, up until meeting Aaron, the bro, at a nightclub, centers around the grinder grid. And he meets Aaron, who he quickly dismisses as dumb, because Aaron has a great body. And in Bobby's world, and apparently Billy Eichner's world, anyone with a great body is dumb. Um, and I, and I know we, they are not a discriminate against class. I don't need, I don't mean to get out the sad violin for Aaron, Luke McFarlane's character. Believe me, it's fine. But what I'm saying is it was just lazy portrayals and Bobby's eventually proven wrong. Aaron shows he has wit, a career, etc. And in the end, Bobby teaches Aaron to chase his dreams 
and Aaron teaches Bobby how to live. How nice. But I thought that Aaron was the much more well-developed character. I really did. Bobby, to me, was not a well-developed character. They preyed on easy lines, easy jokes, easy stereotypes. I mean, he was the, the neurotic, uh, finicky, fastidious gay guy. I mean, that was Bobby's character, an over-the-top caricature of that. Um, you know, like, that's been around before, too. So, I know I'm taking a little while to land this plane, but where... So, yes, it was groundbreaking in the sense that there were orgies and, you know, the grinder scenes were maybe a little more explicit than how it's previously been depicted. And, yes, threw a lot of that in your... And people, and, and it, it, that was on screen. That was a part of the movie. And, yeah, groundbreaking in that sense. But in terms of telling the story and having well-developed characters and just not relying on the same old boring gay cliches... Uh, I think it missed the mark and compounded by the fact that I found Bobby, the main character, uh, to, yes, be very flawed, but really not all that relatable. So anyway, that's my, those are my thoughts on bros. I.L. Feldman, CEO, Boy Butter. He's coming up next. Thank you, as always, for listening. All right, and welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the opening, Ayal Feldman. Very excited to have him on. We don't have someone who reps uh, a lubricant company on the show every day, so this is a big thrill. Uh, what's going on, Ayal? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Oh, pleasure and an honor. I love that. <laughs> maybe I get one or the other, but two and two together. That's pretty sweet. Two for the price of one, right? There. Oh, my goodness. It's I already it. a good deal. It is. Double <laughs> dipping action. Um. So there's a lot I want to talk to you about. And as I was saying before you hopped on, uh, you have a big background in sports and sports play a role in your current advertising for Boy Butter now and your life today. But before we do that, let's go back to the beginning. What prompted you to start uh, a lube company, for lack of a better Well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I started uh, about 20 years ago, and I used to work for a, uh, a gay fashion company called Nasty Pig, which is still yep. in existence. And uh, right after college, I went to University of California, San Diego. And then uh, after that, I decided to move to New York and learn business after I met the owner of Nasty Pig. And I, and I apprenticed for him and was like his assistant. And he taught me everything about you know like business from like a retail point of view, like all the way to like wholesale and distribution globally and i lived there for a year uh until september 11th and then i decided to move to europe and play water polo for a team in barcelona and do something completely different i'm like life is short you never know what could happen i just wanted to you know just live in europe for a year and i learned spanish and my that was my goal and i said i'm not coming back until i learned that and i Felt like that was a really big achievement. And after I had learned that, I was thinking about what I'm going to do when I come back to the U.S. And I came up with the idea of boy butter as like an idea when I was working at Nasty Pig. I was just saying in the back room, wouldn't it be great if somebody made a lube called boy butter? It's a great name. And it would come in like as grocery like packaging and it would never mention sex. And it's just like a novelty thing. And it would come in a butter tub. <laughs> and I said that, and then like two years later, after I like 
learn Spanish. I'm like, I, oh, well, I can do anything. So I started my comeback to New York. I resumed working for Nasty Pig again and started my, my project and creating at first the butter tub. I already had the logo in my mind, which is like very country crock, arm and hammer. Like I'm already turning butter. It looks, yeah, it just looks like a traditional brand people are aware of for many years and uh, just make it my own like hybrid version. And it would just, you know, uh, I came out with the butter tub and we found the lubricant, which was fantastic. And it lasted really long and uh, it wa- was washable. And I had, you know, I had this butter tub and everywhere I went with it, uh, to sell it. Like every store said, yes, I never got to no. know. They're like, absolutely. Yes. We totally want it. And I was doing this like as a side hustle in New York for my studio apartment while I'm working at uh, the other company. And it just kind of started from a hobby where I was like, not, not really making money, but just wanted to prove that there was a market for it mm. and uh, get it in a bunch of stores and show like that if I get an investment that I would be mm. able to like scale up. Yeah. So um, I did that for about two years and I, uh, I, I, I proved to my parents after two years that this is more than a hobby and that this is a business. And they invested in my company uh, in 2005 and I was able, I moved back home to my old bedroom living upstairs with my parents you know at the age of like 24 i think i was 24 when i when i did it and uh i was just i found a lab we started making it i started selling it and it was it became profitable and i was able to make different sizes and then i made you won't believe it's not boy butter the water-based version and then different other products because it had so many legs i mean the butter spreads but i'm yeah so um it was just so since 2005 i've been a proper manufacturer based in california my warehousing is there my manufacturing is there i go there every like two months which is great because it's my family is there so i get to be with them and um and i'm you know in 2007 i met uh i moved in with my boyfriend who became my husband uh, I met him in 2005 while I was in LA and he was in New York. He was one of the uh, founders of Meetup. I don't know if you remember that. Of course. I, I, I went to a couple of meetups back in the day when I was. Okay. Yeah. Meetup. He's one of the founders. People? He was the CFO. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Brendan McGovern. So I'm like Mr. Brendan McGovern. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, we met and we did a long distance thing and uh, for two and a half years and we were just tired of going back and forth. So I just moved back to new york and i've been with him since and my office is here in new york and i'm able to do it all yeah wow so um it's a definitely a a full i mean so your parents were okay with you uh living upstairs while you worked on your lube company they ever say okay maybe do something a little more respectable or uh... i well for me i'm six foot seven i was always like really like into sports i played water polo in high school i was a big guy i came out in the 10th grade immediately as soon as i had a driver's license i'm like i'm gay i'm going to west hollywood uh so from the age of 16 i've been out with my parents so they have seen me 
you know, with the rainbow decal in my car and, right. you know, all the parties and all the whatever events. And with working with Nasty Fig, they saw me working in that industry. And I thought, you know, if I had a, a, a widget, I would be able to yeah. sell in that industry. Wow. Yeah. And they have no problems with, with it at all. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, uh, but I'm always, I mean, you really lived, you know, people say, oh, lube company, how fun. Uh, no, it seems like a lot of work, long days, long nights went into it. I mean, it's amazing. How did you kind of, how'd you keep at it? All those uh, years? Well, in like any business, you know, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. So yeah. it does take a lot of work and uh, you got to, call and you gotta travel and you gotta do trade shows i do trade shows every, like really important shows for me that i learned from nasty pig there's like international mr leather there's mid-atlantic leather there's drag rupaul's drag con there's a lot of conventions pride convention sometimes that we go to and i sell there and people get to meet me and how often do you get to meet the person that makes the product that you buy yeah. and i've always thought like i'm a mom and pop shop and that's what sets me apart from other nameless, faceless brands uh, that I I make the thing and I love it. I use it and I believe in it. And and it's it's such an easy sale when you yeah. when you're selling it to people. So here's a question then: Why so passionate about lube? It's not lube, uh, though sex is the second most important drive after feeding yourself uh it is an important part of our lives yeah. and um that it doesn't i look at it as a brand you know whether it's a shampoo or a moisturizer or toothpaste or whatever a hair gel it's just your brand is your thing so I'm like, for me, I'm like, I used to think like that. Like, am I limiting myself yeah. uh, by, by where I'm advertising? I'm staying in my safe space, but no, I can be anywhere. And just yeah. the name alone is so subversive that when it's seen and, and spoken of, you can't help but chuckle and mm -hmm. think. So if you have a brand that can do that, that can be yeah. like a household name, yeah. that's also like, you know, we've been referenced on girls or on uh the daily show saturday night live like they use boy butter as a gay thing okay so wow we, we've had a lot of shout outs yeah uh, i mean the know. name is amazing i mean thank you really is all i mean it's not all in the name the product is amazing i'm sure thank you. but <laughs> but but i mean the name goes we'll see we'll have to have to uh you know consult my ethics disclosures here we'll yes yeah, you, know, uh, you know it's hard hidden stuff we're doing um, but, um, yeah, I think, so you were talking about staying in your lane. So, and that's how you came across our attention. So you, uh, shoot these really hot, sexy commercials with hunky, like gorgeous men, you know, yeah. and, the, and, 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 and you were advertising RuPaul's drag race. You expand to the housewives franchise at the onset of COVID, but then you expand to ESPN and sports TV. Uh, you've been on ESPN for over a year now, just that just big part in the U S open coverage. So tell us a little bit, tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Well, what made you uh, expand to ESPN and say, this is a market for boy butter? 
Yes. So I have been uh, advertising for about, this is my 13th year coming up on advertising on television and uh, cable television, and mainly just for RuPaul's Drag Race, which is going into like season 15 or something. Right. It's Amazing. Like, it's been on for a long time. And it, it moved from logo to VH1. And once I got into VH1, I'm thinking like, wow, this is like serious network. This is like, I'm s- stepping up my game and stuff. Mm. And I thought, well, I, the response was so amazing with VH1 that I thought, what's the next gay thing? Oh, bravo. Gays and 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 middle-aged women are all having rosé or something. Love it. And I'm thinking, they lo- they'll love it. Got a great response there. And then uh, just the, I started like, putting it here and there and like during christmas i would do a campaign where we would do blast all of new york and all the boroughs and they would give me all these different networks and i was thinking i don't know if i want to be on oxygen i don't know if i you know would be cool to be on bet that would be cool it'd be cool to be in a place where i, I would get pushback i almost want to i want, almost want to be banned because in the banning is you turn lemons and you get lemonade. And you were once before a cable company yes. in Chicago banned a boy butter ad. If you yes, were, right. Comcast in Chicago in 2017, and I ran a guy, just a video of a guy churning butter. You suggestive, but he's alone, and they deemed it too. Like I had a meeting with the managers. I'm like, why can we not run? I have to run. It's coming up, and they're like, it's too gay. I'm like, have they, have they been to market days? Do they know what goes on in their city. I'm like, do you watch Carl's Jr. ads? Are you kidding me? There's like ketchup all over her chest. Like, what, what are you talking about? This is true. He's like alone. He's churning butter. This is farm equipment. Like, what's wrong with that? Uh, there's no, it, 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 the fact that he's shirtless for a little bit of the time, it was, it, it didn't feel right to me because we have done churning commercials before. Uh, but when we moved to VH1, that's when they started, uh, they're like, oh, I don't think this is, we don't think this is appropriate for our, uh, our audience. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is RuPaul's drag race. This is, this is the audience. Like, how could you ban it? And, uh, as soon as they, as soon as I got word that they, that they banned it, I'm like, boom, I need to write a press release. I need to. I need to like get this out there because this is totally unfair. And I was just quoting all of the other ads that are way more racy and suggestive that get way more play on like primetime. So there is uh, no reason for me to be denied. And I got a bunch of, it was one of the biggest like press things we've ever gotten. And it, Comcast within a week changed their mind. Not only did they change their mind and run it, they gave me a bunch of free advertising on top of it and apologized and have never given me problems since. So then I felt, oh, I can like go further now. So I, and every time I just do a little bit further and push the envelope a little bit more. And you've done that with the most recent one, uh, the men uh, chasing each other up the shoreline in Malibu, these hunky shirtless men, you can just smell their musk emanating from their glistening bodies. Um, So this ad, you know, definitely uh, highly suggestive, I would say. Um, And it airs on ESPN. Yes. And now we just started a campaign two days ago where we're going to be on ESPN2. We're going to be on the NFL Network. We're going to be on Fox 
Sports. We're going to take it to Fox Sports and see what they think about it. But we're we're actually going into more of the sports arena. And ESPN really helped me because they've been so supportive in in this. And I've gotten zero pushback. In fact, I all I'm constantly getting people t- taking photos of the ad and sending them emailing to me or like, oh, I love this ad. This is so great. I love watching this. I'm watching basketball or the US Open. And these are things I did not advertise for, but I'm getting like extra spots in places like the ad, the ad is being really, really well received. Yeah. So I think just keep pushing it into more of the sports field because in sports, it really is about masculinity and strength. And that's what we're trying to portray. And I think that people really resonate with that. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say being provocative is fun, but you know, you must also see the, that there's money in advertising on ESPN and Fox sports too. In 20 years of doing this, this is probably, this is uh, one of the most effective, effective advertising that we have done. Hmm. Uh, I've tried magazines. I've tried uh, Google ads. We've tried this and that. And really you can never tell if anything works, even if you have a, code or whatever you never really know but i i feel you can feel when our commercials are airing and that's why i've been doing it for so many years and trying to make better and better commercials and it's amazing how far we've come in five years you've gone from too gay for rupaul's drag race to now yeah. airing on espn soon to air nfl network fox, and you get fox no complaints. Sports. that's gonna no, be amazing when they and see you get it no, and you get no push i mean well have you seen tucker carlson's like streaming series on masculinity What's the end of the, the end of men end i'm of like men. well yeah. we're just beginning i mean that's <laughs> Tell me anything. I mean, they had one this week. Oh, people were tanning their testicles, right? In the I'm lady. like, uh, you know what? In uh, uh, in some ways, uh, I think that uh, the the masculinity that we are portraying, which is a very classic '90s yep. Abercrombie, like gorgeous, beautiful bodies. I feel like on television nowadays with commercials. It's all about like the common person, everybody, and and everybody is like the every every man, every woman, and uh, I'm like that's really nice, but I also think that uh, the the uh, the beauty of a you know a beautiful person with in great shape, and that's like ele- it's elevated. Like I don't look at my commercials as loop. I I try to make art, and I think it's beautiful. And looking at men, well, being a gay man, I really do see the beauty of men. And and people really respond well to beautiful men. They always have. Beautiful men and beautiful women. I don't want to leave women out, but beautiful people. I, I, I long for those beautiful images from the 90s. I wanted to bring that back, like this luxury, uh, aqua di Gio, kind of like CK kind of look. High fashion. I want my I want my brand to look like a fashion ad, and I think that people respond really well to that. Sexy is sexy no matter what. And another reason why it's very apropos that you're on ESPN and all these sports networks now advertising during the NFL games is your history yeah. with sports. You participated in the gay games. Yeah, I was one of the youngest like competitors. The so uh, yeah, the- tell, how'd you get involved? The gay games are like the gay Olympics for those who yeah. don't know. So yeah. Uh, I was actually, uh, yeah, so in 1998, uh, well, in, in college, uh, I think I was maybe 19 or something, and uh, I went to the gay games and I represented the country I was born in, Israel, 
And even though I lived in the, the States, I was allowed to uh, march and run and, and represent them. So I did swimming and I got a silver and a bronze in uh, 50 and 100 freestyle. And uh, I did again the gay games at water, playing water polo in 2002 in Sydney, Australia, representing the Netherlands because I was living in Europe at that time. Remember, I was in Barcelona. Yeah, I was playing water polo there, but I was also playing for the gay Dutch team in the Netherlands. And we came in fourth because uh, West Hollywood, California has the best water, water polo team and they always win. But uh, and they're my friends because I know them from playing with them. Uh, but yeah, I've just been in playing water polo. I went to college for swimming. I I still do swims. I do marathon swims for charity. Now I just swam 10 miles in Chicago uh, for my aunt-in-law, who's a nun in Brazil, for her Christmas food drive. And we were able to feed 350 families with that swim. And uh, next year, I'm going to do 11 miles in Lake Constance and swim from Germany to uh, Switzerland. No, Germany to Austria, Switzerland and back in a triangle. And that'll be 11 miles nonstop. So I'm going to hit three countries in one swim. It's going to be awesome. Wow. And did you always uh, swim like this growing up or? Uh, yeah, I've been swimming since uh, high school. I Instead of doing regular pee, I chose water polo. And then when water polo season was done, we just swam to st stay in shape for the next water polo season. So I did that all through high school. I was captain of the swim team and uh played in the water pool team the whole time and then just I, I it helped me get into college in university of california san diego and i swam with them that was really rough that was 40 miles of swimming a week that was i was a like i'm six seven i was 188 pounds oh my goodness i was swimming so much i i went through my entire food budget in two weeks yeah. for a quarter <laughs> what six yeah. seven 188 yeah Goodness. now i mean i'm 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 235 240 yeah. and but like but i'm 188 it was wow it was and a lot you, of swimming and you still play in some uh day sports leagues today um i was with the new york water polo team until i just couldn't keep up anymore i was i think i was 38 and i was yeah. just like i don't know if i can keep up with these 20 year olds so and i'm i may not be tom brady but i knew when i was like i'm just gonna stick to swim i'm gonna swim now so right. i started marathon swimming and have been doing that since 2008 for the most part i've been doing like every year a marathon swim just to stay in shape no, it's a great and it's a great way to meet people too. I'm a, in my our flag football league in Boston, and I'm 29, so I got a few more years left, many more years yeah. left, I hope. Yeah. But my real question is though, how much longer? So we have an annual drag show every spring to raise money for the league and our travel teams, and the drag show has a pit crew, and I am in the pit crew. So my question is, how much longer can I stay into the pit crew before it gets sad? You know, so I'm 29. <laughs> you know, can we do some? Can I do 31? I think early 30s. We have some early 30s. No, there. you can. I I think. I, what does pit crew entail? Is it entail? Like a, yeah, just picking up picking up the bills. You know. Okay, so it's not like uh, is it a physical? You're in skimpy thing? outfits, yeah. Skimpy outfits picking up uh, the dollar bills, yeah. This is what I. I I think that you should all like for the rest of your life, always try to like, for like, do be the 
be the pit crew. That's your goal is to always look like the pit crew. I know. And even though I don't think it, I think that you can do it another 10, 11 years. Uh, okay. I, I, know, I'm sure I could, but the question is when do you have to give the other, you know, the youth some of the time to shine, you know, it's some, a balance. Some, yeah. The youth will track. shine. Don't you worry. <laughs> I don't need shine. my help is what you're saying. It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Last question I want to ask you is kind of an overarching question that I think sums up a lot of what we've talked about here. So what about like sports and like masculinity? What about that do you find to be so attractive and an aesthetic fit for boy butter and what you're trying to represent? Okay, so with as a as a gay man, I see the masculine form uh, as incredibly beautiful and attractive in many ways, and I feel that uh, the way I present my product and uh, use that beautiful male form is so. And I've learned with our advertising with ESPN that people, straight people, gay people, whatever people, really respond well to, it's almost like the ancient uh, um, Hercules or the ancient um, myths of these big strong men. In, in every ancient capital, you have a giant, beautiful man. You can go to Rome and see them everywhere, big, muscly, beautiful men and statues. And that's what they hold up in sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, they really appreciate it in RuPaul's Drag Race and things like that. But I really found it resonating with sports uh, people. And I think that it helps our brand because our brand, it's not just for men, it's for women as well. Uh, but I think that all in all, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say anything about Tucker Carlson, but I think our, uh, the masculinity is important to show uh, in, in society. I do agree with that. And I, I want to contribute. And I think that even because it has a gay slant to it, doesn't make it any less masculine. And no. I think that people love it because it's masculine. It's raw masculinity is what people crave. Undoubtedly. And I'm craving it. And we can't wait to see what you have in 2023. Yes, you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. Thanks for the time. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. So thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki podcast, episode number 136. We had our bros review, I.L. Feldman, CEO, Boy Butter. So a lot of good lube talk and bros talk on the show. My kind of podcast, right? If you have any show ideas, or guest ideas, or just want to say, hey, you can hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open, at AlexRemer1 is my name. That again is at AlexRemer1. So long, everybody. Enjoy your long weekend, if you're listening to me over the weekend. And uh, if not, enjoy your week, enjoy your day, and I'll talk to you next Saturday.